0: going to uh, be looking at some Greek words. And I'm not a Greek scholar. So in terms of uh, pronunciation, I'm just going to do my best. I'm going to do it phonetically maybe. I noticed when Sarah there in the class brought up a Greek word, it just sounded so Correct and beautiful. (laughs) I don't know if it was, but it sounded good. I don't know if I'm (laughs) going to sound that good, but we'll do our best. Um, Just bear with me a minute here. Okay. Through this whole service this morning and through uh, the class this morning, what have we used? to communicate with with, with each other. And we're singing hymns, the discussion in class. We used words. Okay? Words, not the only way we communicate, but it's the main way we as as human beings communicate uh, spoken words, written words. And words can be uh, used in many different ways. I think of the the, the spiritual song there, angry words. We'll let them never. Because sometimes words can be harsh. Sometimes words can be kind, soothing. Also words can be taken out of context. Richard mentioned when he, during the communion, about the, the, the woman who gave a small amount of, of funds. And he, and he said something to the effect that I've used this out of context, and others have too. So words can be taken out of context. They can, you, you might mean one thing, and it might come across as something totally different. They can be mis- misinterpreted, and they can be misunderstood. For instance, both the British and the American people use a form of English and in other countries too, Australia. But there are certain words that the British use uh, that have a different meaning here in the States. okay I remember there was one word that uh, that we use. Then in England, it's a, it's a vulgarity. And I really didn't even know that until a movie came out, which I'm not going to get into, but a movie came out, they used that word, and it was kind of, they were kind of like winking, like winking their eye about it. But in, in, in Britain, it was, it was a British movie as well. But in Britain, it was a vulgarity. Here, it's not. So words have different shades of meaning. Sometimes they can be insightful. Sometimes they can be... Confusing. Okay. Take for example, the word "word." Okay. Uh, in Holy Scripture, the word "word" means the revealed Word of God. Okay. Um, the word "word" describes Holy Scripture. The word word in Greek, I think most of us know, is logos, or logos, in Greek. And it has different shades of meaning uh, in English. It can mean an expression of thought. It can embody a concept or an idea. Logos can be a statement or a saying. The different shades of meaning. Uh, in John, the first chapter, verses 1 through 18, uh, the Logos is the title that's given to God's Son. And I want to read that. In the beginning was the word for Logos. And the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. Without him, not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God, whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light, and all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light, the true light which gives light to everyone coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as the Son only Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, For this is he of whom I said, He comes after me, ranks before me, because he was before me. And from his fullness we have received grace upon grace. For the law was given to Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. So, in that passage, the word word or locus is mentioned several times. And it even, he's talking about the word, he also talks about the light. So, kind of in a way, the word, which it doesn't mean light, but it alludes to that. Alludes, so, what I'm trying to say is that words can go here and there, and it's good. To, try to really know what you're talking about and understand uh, the various shades of meaning that words have. In that respect, words can be a very useful tool in understanding God's Word. I want to consider one specific word this afternoon. Uh, that word is hate you look hate up in the dictionary, there's different definitions of the word hate. Strong dislike, <clears throat> to dislike intensely, the emotion of hate. Now, if, if any of us ever felt that way, about someone or something, a strong dislike, to dislike intensely get caught up in the emotion of hate, we probably have to one extent or the other. Uh, Some people might go over the top with that. But I think we've all had tinges of that uh, towards certain people at certain times. And it's something that we need to overcome. Uh, But that's being human. Uh, Human hate is an emotional form of hatred. Uh, The Greek word used in the New Testament is maiso, M-I-E-S-O, and it's a verb. And its description is a malicious, unjustifiable feelings towards others and towards the innocent. It's human hate. There's several examples of that in the scripture. I want to look at at least three. In Matthew 10, verse 22, it reads, And you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but the ones who endure until the end will be saved. And flipping over to Matthew 24, verses 9 and 10, it reads, And then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. Then Luke chapter 19, verses 11 through 14. And as they heard these things, he proceeded to tell a parable, because he was near Jerusalem, and because they supposed that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately. He said, Therefore... A nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and then return. Calling ten of his servants, he gave them ten minas and said to them, Engage in business until I come. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, We do not want this man to reign over us. So as you can see, hate, Human hate is a hatred directed towards other human beings. It's kind of an emotional hate based on human judgment towards others. Okay, Sometimes what you dislike might be in a way justified, but sometimes it might not be justified at all. It's just the way you feel, your own personal feelings about things. This is maiso. But maiso has another shade of meaning as well. Maiso also describes the right feeling of aversion to what is evil. Okay. That's not a negative. There's a couple examples of this. In Romans uh, 7, in chapter 15, It reads, For I do not understand my actions, for I do not know what I want, but I do the very thing that I hate. And that's Paul He's speaking about uh, not wanting to do something, but still sometimes he does it. What he does is against God and what God wants, and he hates that. So that's that right feeling of aversion towards what is not right. And also in Jude, uh, verse 23. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by flesh. Hating even the garment stained by flesh. Hating sin. So, Maeso has that description of, you know, a right feeling reversion aversion to what is evil, and that's good. Now, John equates the disposition of hatred with the outward manifestation of murder. That, that's kind of deep, if you think about it. It's in John, 1 John 3, 15. It says, everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. So, that's hatred. Inner hatred. Manifesting itself in the physical act of murder. So, human hatred is an emotional thing. Sometimes it can be based on good justification, but most of the time, it's negative. It comes from our own personal inner feelings, our own personal judgments, okay, that we've seen here. Now I want to look at another Greek word. This is an adjective. It's stugetos, S-T-U-G-E-T-O-S, and in English... It means hateful. And in Titus 3, verse 3, it says, For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions, pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others, and hating one (coughs) another. So that's describing uh, person of hate we're hated by others we're hated and we, we hate okay when we're in that particular disposition okay before we're brought to Christ and there's a third this is Theosturgis. That's T-H-E-O-S-T-U-G-E-S. Now, this is a noun. And the first part of the word is theo. you've heard of theology. Theology being the study of God. If you're a theologian, you're educated in the study of God. Okay, so theos is God. Uh, So this word is... Haters of God, people who not only hate other individuals, they hate God. So this person is also being described by their attitude. My ESO, you're being described by what you do. It's an action. You're the you process, the action of hating. This one, you're being described by your attitude. You have an attitude of hate. You have a uh, hateful attitude towards God. Okay. Now I want to talk about another kind of hate before we wind things up. I want to talk about godly hate. Now how is that different from how we as human beings hate? Well, the word in Greek is ekthro, and I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but it's, it's Echtra. It's E C H T R A. sounds good. It sounds like really. I don't know my pronunciations. Um, the English word is enmity. Enmity. Okay. I want to turn to Genesis chapter three. Verses 14 and 15. And the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Now, in scripture in the New Testament, enmity is described as something to be avoided. It's also described as something that is impossible to bring into a friendly accord with. If you're at entity with something you, it's hard to be reconciled with it, you can't be reconciled with it it's also marked by features that oppose constructive treatment or development when I read the, I, to me I think about the hardening of the heart when the scriptures say well God hardened this one's heart?" okay to me that's a f- marked by features that oppose constructive treatment or development the stubbornness that you're resisting and and and, and so God let you go to your own devices. Okay. Enmity also is described as hostility, hostile towards. Okay. So when we're talking about man and we're talking about God in hostility, okay, usually It's the human being who is hostile to God, okay, by his actions, okay. Godly hate or enmity, God turns from that, okay. He doesn't embrace it, okay. But the hostility, the action of hostility and hating is usually us, our actions. Okay. We want to turn to Romans uh, chapter 8, verse 7. For the mind of the set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. So, hostility. And reconciliation are opposites. We're hostile. We're a hostile people. God wants that reconciliation. Okay. But they're opposites. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 15-16. through 16. By abolishing the law of the commandments expressed in ordinances... That he might create himself one new man in place of two. So making peace. And might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross. Thereby killing the hostility. And we talked about this a little bit in, in class this morning about oneness. This is what God wants for us. He wants us to be reconciled to him if we can be reconciled, that hostility is done for. Hostility is also the opposite of agape love. What's agape love? That's the love that God has for us. It's the love that God wants us to have for each other. It's what we've been talking about the last few weeks in Corinthians, about being able to sacrifice, say for instance, our own liberties, our own personal liberties in Christ for the benefit of our brother. Why are we doing that our, and our sister as well? Why are we doing that? We're doing that because we love that person. We love that person agape. Okay. And that's the opposite of hostility. In John 12, 25. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. So if we're hostile to God, and we love this life, We're going to lose it. But if we hate this life, we want to reconcile ourselves to God. We'll see eternal life. James chapter 4, verse 4. Enmity also has another shade of meaning. Enemy. So if we're at, at enmity with God, if there's enmity between us and God, were God's enemy. Okay. So in James, it reads, James 4, 4. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. We're talking about that a little bit in class today as well. And, and James pointed it out. That you can't serve two masters. If you're a friend with the world, you're an enemy of God. There's an enmity between you and God. Galatians five twenty says that enmity is the work of the flesh, and this is some. This is part of the scripture that, that James read. This morning, before we started service. In 520 it says, you know, it, it's listing the works of the flesh. Idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, deceit. Divisions. Okay. This is against God. It's the opposite of agape love. It's the opposite of what God wants. But you notice a lot of these, all of the things, with the exception of maybe idolatry, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions... They can all lead to that human kind of hate where you're hating somebody, okay? That emotional buildup where you just, I hate you, you know? Hate, and I'm talking about opposites here, So I want to continue reading in Galatians because even though you talk about works of the flesh, the opposites of works of the flesh are fruits of the spirit. So you have a man on one side putting enmity between himself and God, and God wants that reconciliation. So you have the works of the flesh on one side. You have the fruits of the spirit on the other side. One of the fruits of the spirit, James read this earlier as well, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Okay. The opposite of uh, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissension. Okay. It's pretty clear. So we have enmity which describes godly hate. Enmity is the opposite of agape love. God turns away from our hostility, but he embraces Reconciliation. It's obvious that God hates sin. Sin is the opposite of what God is. Okay, he has enmity with sin. God cannot and he will not embrace sin. That's the essence of godly hate. There is enmity between God and sin. That's godly hate. It's not an emotional, I hate you because type of hate, which is how most people see hate. It's impossible for God to be reconciled uh, to sin without the sacrifice of appeasement. What's that? To appease is to make peace with. So peace has to be made between us and God, the sinful us and the perfect God. The Greek word for appeasement is katastello, K-A-T-A-S-T-E-L-L-O, and it's translated to to quiet. Quiet. I think when I think of that, I think of maybe a dog. Seen a dog who just when he sees you coming, he's just hostile towards you and barking and showing his teeth. And some people just have a way of with animals and they can quiet a dog. What appeasement is. Um and Jesus Christ Became our appeasement. He reconciled us with God. And by doing that, He removed that enmity, that godly hate that's separating us. He quieted the godly hate. That's all I have this morning.